Welcome to the Space Cave, a big warg to all of you space burgers out there, hopefully managing safely and remaining healthy during the coronavirus pandemic of 2020. Apologies for uh, a little break in episodes. Um, a previous guest needed to kind of get some clearance um, with his place of uh, employment, and so an episode that was scheduled to go out last week has been delayed a little bit. And um, anyway, now you're listening to this one. So potentially two this week. We'll see when uh, when the edits, if there are any from a previous episode, come in. And uh, with this episode, we'll get right to it. But there are a couple of announcements at the end. One of them actually happens during the conversation, which you'll hear about. And then there's a second one beyond that. So enjoy. This is a conversation with a good friend of mine from Austin. She now lives in Philadelphia. Her husband was on recently, Dr. Alex Platt. And uh, we talk about all kinds of stuff, particularly, especially toward the end, her diagnosis of uh, having MS and how she's dealt with that, is dealing with that, etc. It's really fascinating. I hope you like it. Here's my chat with Michelle Balloon. I work out with her. I do virtual workouts twice a week, but then she also gives me just because she's a great person, interval workouts to do when I work out on my, because I, I work out on my own also two days a week. And she's like, I'll give you interval workouts. And and then this time I had to stop running for like five, six weeks because I had like an almost stress fracture in my foot, like just almost enough to where I couldn't run. Hmm. And, and then I started running again. And now we're getting to the point where it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Like it was just, it was so ridiculous. That's the most, I mean, it was so the interval workout I did the last two weeks, even though it was very sweaty and gross, this one was harder because there was parts of it where you weren't stopping to walk. Are you, you doing all this running on, a, on a treadmill? Yeah. On a treadmill. Yeah. I, we have a basement in our, we, we put, we, we put a basement and we put a gym in our basement, which was, so great that we did that before this happened. So we've got like a treadmill and a, and a, um, a bike and a rowing machine and then like a whole weight set thing. <laughs> well, you so, guys have like a home gym, like a legit It's a huge gym. gym. Yeah. And we're actually going to extend it because we have a big basement and I want to push it back. So I have more mat space. It's great. And the, and the virtual workouts are great. You had, so I just set my phone up on a tripod and <laughs> She can see everything. That's great. Okay, how are you? Did you fix it while I talked? I think I'm still really soft, and I'm not seeing video of you. You don't have to be videoed though. So that's oh, it. I okay. I want no. Here we go. Video. Yay! Hello. Um, you. I can hear you now. You aren't soft. I'm me. not soft now. Okay. When the heck did I do? Um, I don't know. I man, I'm really gun shy about it because we were working on this a while ago and. 
everything I touched and changed was doing nothing. And in the zoom preferences, you know, it can, you can select like have it automatically determine your mic level. And if I checked or unchecked that, it was doing that weird tech thing where it was like, I'm not listening to you. So like yeah. you would grab the slider, like you're not in charge software. I am. And then you'd move the slider down and then it would go all the way back to the top. Like I've overridden you, Dave. And then I was real creeped out by that and, and frustrated that we couldn't solve it. But if this sounds okay to you, it sounds Yeah, great. it's not soft like it was. Now, let me ask you. So when you're doing a podcast over Zoom, are you then also recording with something else like GarageBand or are you just using the, the Zoom audio? Yeah, recorded? I do it through a couple different sources just to be safe. So I, yeah. I do it through Audition, which is like GarageBand. Okay. And then I do it through my own... Zoom recorder, which is, I don't know why it's always just my go-to thing. I, I trust Audition and all that stuff, but like yeah. Zoom, I can see everything and I know uh, how and my, my And you're talking the hardware Zoom recorder. Yeah, it bothers me that yeah, Zoom, I, the communication software kind of stole. I now have to feel, I feel like I have to call my Zoom my H4N, which is yeah. stupid. <laughs> no, because it's confusing, right? Because I am, because when Martha and I did our podcast, because Zoom has such good sound, the way we would do it is, um, which people don't, because it's, it's harder to do it this way. But I would, she bought a Zoom and I have a Zoom. Mm -hmm. And then we would just talk over like Google Hangout or whatever, Google Duo, I think we were using. And then we would just do a sound like sync like when we were talking and yeah. then she would Dropbox me oh, her yeah. file and then we would, then I would edit it. And we were together. It was so easy because then you just hook up two mics and then it has the, you know, it's matched already <laughs> in the different tracks, but, but no, it sounds so good for, for a couple max fun podcasts I'm doing. I'm, I'm actually going to do it that way. Cause I told them they, they gave me this huge questionnaire. I fucking, I love being able to do podcasts everywhere. Mm -hmm. But then you have to, a lot of the producers were like, what do you have? Like everybody is, you know, going over yeah. and this guy sent me a huge questionnaire and I'm doing two different max fun podcasts coming up. And one of them for sure, I'm going to, I just said, you know, this is how I did it. And then he was happy. I knew what I was talking about. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm like I can do it this way, but I also can just record and send you the wave file, which is going to be the best sound. Tech stuff is always so funny because it, it, there is that like secret hidden language to it where you have to reach yeah. a certain level of words where the person you're talking to mm -hmm. will be like, oh, okay, I think you might know what you're talking about. But Because if the, just... they ask you the same thing over and over and over again in different ways. I'm like, I'm going <laughs> to answer it in this top question, and then I'll just say, you know. Yeah. I want to learn but more about megahertz and how to deliver them in MP3 and M4A yeah. so that I can just start going, are you going 44.1? It is. When I did this podcast with Martha, like I like to learn how to do things like what's the best way, like why, you know what I mean? Like, how do we, how can we set this up? And, um, and so it was fun, like learning it. Um, and then, you know, and then getting it, you know, instead of like just having someone else do it, you know what I mean? Or well, I, I get it. I have, do you, I have that discussion a lot in that to me, podcasting is still this kind of garage band punk rock thing that mm -hmm. I can do this. I don't need your notes. Yeah. I don't need you to have me hurdle some sort of obstacle so that I meet your requirements and that a focus group liked it and the tests. Well, I'm just going to do it. And if people like it, great. And if not, that's okay. I like doing it. 
And yeah. uh, it's weird when you get into the network because early on they were just a bunch of like every story you see, every documentary. We didn't know what we were doing. We were all just kids. And then yeah. kids get older and they're like, oh, suddenly that person's wearing a suit and or like a business suit or, you know, a, a tire trying to be non-gender uh, specific. But like no, that, yeah. person, that person has gotten accustomed to how many emails and calls they're making and they're like it they forgot about oh yeah we all just started this because we thought it was fun so yeah I, I, it, it is and to, to, to be able to hold on to that i always have thought that way you know but i've done a number of podcasts i did a, one of my podcasts is still popular to some people even though i really need to take well, down a lot of the with, episodes walking with michelle yeah I would see, through, I think just through following you on Twitter and stuff, people being like, when are new episodes coming out? And that's how you, even if it's like one or two tweets, mm-hmm. when someone that, wants something, they probably represent more people than, unless it's just one kind yeah. of weirdo, but you, you can tell like, oh, that's great. Like you have this thing that, mm-hmm. that people like. And there was, so what prohibited you from continuing that? Oh, so hard. I mean, I did it really early on. No one was doing podcasts. I mean, this is before Mark Marin. It was right around the Never Not Funny time. I like that because, people give him credit as if Matt he Belknap started all did it with me. What people always give Mark Marin credit as if he were like the beginning of podcasts, but they'd been around for like ten years before him. Oh yeah, like Jackie Cation was doing Dork Forest, you know, for a bit. she was doing it a long time. So there was other popular podcasts, and I just. I was hanging out with my friend, Ben Acker, who's, you know, great. He does thrilling adventure hour and is a great writer. And, and, um, we're having brunch and we just were talking. I just been to San Francisco and did the walking tour of Alcatraz with the tape. And Uh I thought, wouldn't that be funny to just do your own tape? And so this is like 2006, 2007, something like that. And probably 2006. And, um, and then we were joking about that'd be funny to do it at Disneyland. And so then the first episode, then I, then I asked Matt Belknap, I was like, Hey, do you want to, should we do a podcast? You know? <laughs> and so we came up with it. And so it was me and Paul F. Tompkins. And that was the first episode, us going to Disneyland. And we brought a camcorder to record with, but we also had lab mics. And the second we walked through the doors, every single employee descended upon us <laughs> and you can't bring in recording equipment. We're like, what? We're just doing home videos and we care about audio. And, um, <laughs> And we recorded the whole thing. But the reason why it was so hard, it was so fun to do because I just wanted to capture that first one. We had a lot more plans. Mm-hmm. We had like, let's talk about the situation in Darfur while we're on Thunder <laughs> Mountain. And it's on the podcast. I mean, that was one of the things like it was just all this crazy stuff. But the one thing that um, what made it hard is, is I, well, I wanted to capture hanging out with comedians, right? You're just hanging out and talking and like how fun it is. And with podcasts, it was great with just audio. And if you're hanging out long enough, cause I would do things that were like four or five hours. Oh, if you're God. hanging out long enough. It's just regular. You know, yeah. I'm still, you're still, at, I'm not trying to interview anybody. I'm just trying to hang out and we're making each other laugh. And but then you have to take that four to five hours and edit it down. So that was the fun part too. You kind of made it your best 45 minutes of that whole thing, but that was really hard to do. So Matt did the first two and then Jim Hamilton came in cause it took so long. Yeah. He came in and edited, I think like the next few. And then um, this um, woman, Mariel Reyes, um, who did some max fun stuff came in and edited a few. And then I recorded a bunch more that never made it to air. Steve Agee 
um, Kyle Kinane, Aparna Nancherla. Um, I did another one with James Adomian in New Orleans. Like they're all, they, I have them, but I'm never going to do anything with them. But it was too much work because it was a paper edit. It was to take it to, to cause you, I wanted to have that hangout feel. So you yeah. had to do it. And so it was great. It was really fun. Just not worth it. And I couldn't, I, I couldn't get anybody on board and I didn't want to edit it myself because I felt I would just try to make myself look really good. <laughs> it seems like, uh, you could have pitched it though. I mean, do people still ask about it now? They do, but it was, it's almost like I ended it before that could have been a thing. Oh, right. Yeah. And so like it was, when I did it and then I sort of fell off of it was before podcast became popular. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So now it's like a great idea and it's like, yeah, this is from of a bazillion years ago. People still listen. I mean, I have, I had to take, I've taken a couple down <laughs> because like one, the person who was on it was like, um, can you just edit this line? Cause I mean, this was a long time ago. And as we all know, we've all said, dumb over the top offensive shit well, especially hanging out with comedians because that yes, is one of the 100 percent. Of... you're trying to make each other laugh you're trying to be totally wrong and that was the fun part and we didn't care about it <laughs> uh, we didn't think about it then and I, I do like the fact we're thinking about it now i do not think that's a bad thing i right but i i was like i'm not editing i'm just taking like one by one all of so if you want to listen to walking with michelle start listening because one by one <laughs> I'm just taking them down. I'm not getting any money from them. <laughs> so, it's like, I don't want to deal with taking this line out, that line out. It's like, whatever. Yeah. But it was fun. And I've done like, I've off and on created podcasts since then. And, um, but nothing right now. And I don't plan on starting one. I always equate everything. I think to, to music in, in that, like the way it comes together, you know, like you can equate most comedians popularity or style to a, uh, type of music and or band and then mm -hmm. but more than that it's like the genre itself birthing out and i like that in podcasting there's no real skill necessary to do it mm -mm. and yet the way you people go and flip through records at a you store, people no Just the kidding. way i didn't say you be i the way i said the way people I, I the way people go and flip through records and then there's, you know, there's that thing of someone that really knows music and they'll be like, oh, yeah, this band was only together for a summer and they made this album. It was conceptual and it was four hours long and only 50 copies were made. And you're like, you're suddenly, suddenly drawn just because of that story. And then what happened where they broke up and they decided. Yeah, you know, that's what you're right. Yeah. You know, you kind of have oh, that. She, she like, only did 10 episodes, <laughs> 10 episodes, but we, I remember listening to it. Yeah. 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 You've created that. And I think it's, uh. Everything we do has has that feel to it, and then, uh, but now you know that things have value. Like you talked about my favorite yes. murder, and you're like, oh, people have become millionaires from podcasting. Yes, that's baffling. To it's me. insane, and and also the, the the different the amount of ears on it. Then you're just doing it to put it out there. It's like even comedy. Then this is like pre YouTube, right? And I remember even at the Velveeta Room, you know, we both were started in Austin, albeit at different times when you had a different name. And um, <laughs> yeah, not a different and, name, my middle name, Lee. A middle name that you used, but yeah. And um, but like when I used to do stand up, like in LA at UCB in the early when I moved there in 2004, you know, they used to have a late show after Comedy Death Ray um, and um, See You Next Tuesday. Oh I yeah, mean, you know, but. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> And I used to just do crazy shit or for like the show at the Ramada. Like there was stuff that I would do because it's just like, no one is 
no one was doing, people were writing about on message boards about it. So it yeah. just was way more garage bandy, like, like, oh, I'm just going to spend my entire set in like talking to the host. Like, I, I would just would make up things to do, you know, and I would spend time on it. I mean, you've done shit like that. Well, so I was going to say like the way, the connection I'm making there with that like train of thought or, or what, you know, subject, I don't want to say like line of thinking, but something mm -hmm. like that in that there used to be, I think everything now is so aware of itself any moment yes. that there's not a central place that even reports on it. So there used to be like AV club stuff that you, you as a comedy fan could like, what happened at UCB last night? What happened at death ray last night? And you would yeah. read these weird stories. When we started professor Blastoff, they had the same sort of thing. Like here, here's what happened on the, on the 10 most like talked about comedy podcasts. And yeah. in your head, you'd be like, I'll bet there are a few dozen, if not a hundred more. There certainly weren't a million more. Yeah. So now like to talk about what happened on any given podcast is such a weird thought of like, well, there are so many of them. Why would you single out 10? But in the beginning, yeah. you kind of knew what happened to the Velveeta room. You kind of knew what happened at UCB. You knew what happened yeah. in... Uh, invite them up in New York or some of these shows. Yes. Like yeah. All those. Yeah. And, and then it was, it was message boards, like a special thing.com. That was like the yeah. board. And, and, uh, and uh, so it's, and that's the, the record label I'm on. And I think you've released on their record label too. So it's, um, you know, it is, it's so it's popular now, you know, <laughs> it's popular to do stand up and to do podcasts. And it's weird to sort of let people into that, um, it's great because people do, I mean, like, even when I released my first album in t album in 2012, people were not streaming comedy like they are now, right mm -hmm. now. My album that I, that I just released is digital only. It's mostly streaming, right? Yeah. Um, and, um, people are not purchasing it. iTunes barely lets you get to their iTunes site to buy it. They redirect everything <laughs> to Apple music. You have to have a special link that you have to create yourself. If you know, like the query strings and it will only work on mobile. Like they, they don't, they, they want to direct people to like, you know, get Apple music. And so it's, it's um yeah it's a different it's a different world you have to talk about comedy with people you know that may i always just say listen i'm i just have done stand-up too long and i might be kind of a snob about it but you can like who you like unless that guy you know <laughs> unless that specific person you're talking about you know it feels good that we can all publicly shit on chris D'Elia now and not oh, have to yeah. go like well you know like it, that is always a challenging thing when like everyone knows i don't like that comedy and i never have but you can't say it because yeah that's rude and everyone's making a, an effort everyone's trying and let's just respect that different strokes and it's mm -hmm. subjective etc yeah yeah and the, the, then uh, someone that's like bad a, a, okay yeah he's he's it's not just that that's not the kind of comedy that i like being out there it's that, oh, he's also a terrible person. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? Like there's something that goes along with it. Yeah. Um, that, that there is a connection there to um, to sort of behavior. Because it is it is frustrating. I think that because everything's more public, I think it is it is hard where there's a lot of groups of, of comedy. And this always has happened. But now since people get to have podcasts and Twitter and Instagram and all this stuff, they get to be more public and get all these thousands of fans everywhere that it's all about being like a personality, right? And it's not about like 
you giving a shit about is your stand is your comedy even good i bring this or up original all the time. or unique you know? but i just think of humanity and our one going back to when there weren't seven and a half billion of us but mm-hmm. and getting started with imagine uh, a gypsy show and i know that term is can be offensive to some but i was in romania there were a lot of people like we like being called gypsies so yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to yeah. call them roma fine but uh, they come to town and they un- unfurl this tent or whatever they do. They unload a wagon and they're dancing and they're playing music. This is when you could be really racist if you wanted and now and see you're stopping yourself from adding extra things <laughs> that are unnecessary. I'm not stopping my, I'm preemptively <laughs> avoiding a backlash. No, I know. I know. You're fine. You're fine. Yeah. Okay. I think that's but, a line I accept. But think, uh, or think of Shakespeare. You had to go and think of uh, what it, it's, Incredible that music got transposed from that because of the writing that like the recordings we hear of Mozart are, it's strange that we can hear that they date back so far, but prior to any sort of wax and, or when you had to turn the knob to listen to it, playing through a phonograph machine, Mm -hmm. you physically had to go there. And then the evolution of that being like, here, you can have this giant piece of vinyl that I've transcoded the steps to getting to then everyone's doing it, but there was still, I feel like you and I, and maybe this is snobby, but for comedy, and this is probably different for every different medium, although they move at similar paces to go, you almost had to look in like a physical newspaper to find out or, or yeah, no, like I 100% the, the Chronicle. I remember looking and seeing what was up. I, I told, and, and in college, I went to college in Madison, Wisconsin. We did, I didn't do stand up. Um, Jim Hamilton, who was a friend of mine, you know, in college, he did mm-hmm. stand up and so did um, we, uh, uh, ex-boyfriend of mine um, who he's friends with. And uh, we all did a public access show together. That's what we did for our comedy in the 90s. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it was, I mean, people, we would do call-in shows. Like, it was just weird, the avenues and, that, you know, that to sort of, that you were, you were performing to this specific person you know, um, these specific people that wanted to hear it. And there wasn't a lot of competition, you know, which made it really nice. And you had to go like in Austin, we would travel to Houston, you know, to do stand up, <laughs> right. you know, go and, to San Antonio. And yeah. And you knew there and, were famous comedians, but the idea of it working out was pretty preposterous. People would go, yeah, what you're doing is solely so you can have fun memories and say like, well, when I was yeah. young, I did this. It wasn't, yeah, like- it wasn't because there was like anything. It was like, okay. Oh my God. Maybe I'll get on premium blend. Oh my God. Maybe <laughs> I'll feature or yeah. headline. And, and there was nothing. I don't think there was anything real that wasn't set in stone premium blend then a half hour then of this. And now it's so abstract. It can it's be so anything weird. or last comic standing or whatever. Yeah. You know? Well, the, the, the way it's been made so available too that everyone's using like Procreate on a tablet. And then to Penny go from just like, learned my, my almost eight-year-old, I will announce, it just it took a Procreate class um, last week. Um, she, they, they've been doing um, day camps out of uh, all over the place, but one of them is this New Orleans thing. And, um, and man, that's, that's a great app. And so they like learned how to do all this crazy stuff. But anyhow, I just wanted to drop, <laughs> no, drop it's great. my Procreate connection. It, it creates a new, every generation, obviously it has it a little easier and the Ansel Adams hauling his gear out and just knowing like, I think mm-hmm. with this light and this aperture and shutter speed should be a good picture. Walk miles home, develop <laughs> in a dark room, look and go, yeah. Hey, I worked out. 
And now everyone just on their phone can take thousands and people going, I wish more people could make music. They make all this software where like any idiot who doesn't know anything about music can just start hitting buttons and make, that sounds like something. And the same thing kind of with comedy. You could just float out some tweets or YouTube. I feel there's a lot more bad comedy because of it. Um, and a lot more popular bad comics, but I do feel that the cream does rise. I do feel I can still go and be like, that person's funny. You know what I mean? And you can see who's nat, who is naturally funny, but because of this guy's a total asshole, but you know what? He decided to make himself a podcast and guess what? Assholes like, you know, it's just, so there, there is a, 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 a path for everyone to succeed. Um, I try not to let it bother me. Well, maybe we're, we're looking at it through such an American lens in that younger, I'm going to be a fireman or an astronaut or a doctor or a nurse or, you know, these, these are just, all they are is ways to make money in capitalism. And then yeah. now p- kids going, I want to be those, 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 or a YouTuber or an influencer and they're realistic, yeah. legitimate sort of career models they can It follow. is. I have a few, I don't let Tenny watch YouTube because I think it's too much of a rabbit hole, but I have, I agree with you. It is a model, but it is a, I just feel like that sort of, I mean, it's weird saying this as a comedian, but it's that sort of built around validation and, and, you know, and wanting that the followers and the audience, but it's, I, I think, I think it's important to focus on being good at something, right? You know, if you look at Bo Burnham, who sort of became successful early on from YouTube. He's a really funny guy, you know, he's very talented and very funny, but there was nobody, not that many people really doing that. And I feel that now it's being a YouTube personality is such a different thing to be, Mm -hmm. you know, it is maybe some people are doing it well. And I've watched some and been like, Oh, this is fun because they know how to edit and they make a fun thing. But like, I just feel like that, it's skipping a lot of parts, you know, it's preaching to a choir that's not expecting much out of you. And that's what you're giving them. But, you know, and you're, you're making a lot of money on it, but you're depending on the algorithm from this company that does not give a shit about you. You know, I don't watch many like personality types, but I watch a lot of, uh, how to fix thing type tutorials. And it's so funny to watch. Some of them are very clinical and it's just Mm -hmm. even like type and some music, maybe a robot voice and then just only the steps you need. Others, and there's so many of them where you can tell it was someone trying to make it Mm -hmm. their thing. Like, hey, it's the cowboy (laughs) repairman and I've got... (laughs) You're just like, fast forward through this. That's the kind of YouTube I watch. I play video games and I watch like, okay, how do I get to jump up there to get that thing? And then I'll watch some guy. Okay, so now here's the map and this is where you start. (laughs) And I think it's funny. It's So I have like how to set up, you know, this microphone or whatever. Like I like watching that stuff. But when I watch something like that and it is just somebody trying to be something, I'm like, I want to get to the guy who, barely knows what he's doing which is so is weird give though me right facts if you listen to a podcast where they were like please rate review and subscribe you'd be like that's kind of weird and yet everyone's uh-huh. hoping like well hopefully there's some word of mouth there's some value to this where it will kind of spread but it's weird that we want just the thing we hey hey just fix my mm-hmm. refrigerator shut up i don't care about your branding or whatever you're doing just show me the steps the person's like 
so you want me to just put this up here for free, not give you any, yeah, exactly. I don't want to know anything yeah. about you. I just want to know the steps. That's a weird level that we've gotten to where we expect that. Uh, yeah. But it's totally legitimate because like you said, like the algorithm will give them their revenue based off of how effective their uh, solving of it is. But you know, that totally fucks them too because I think I just watched this video on this woman who just stumbled into a YouTube career by starting to post vlogs, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and then YouTube changed the algorithm and she lost everything. And the, mm-hmm. I remember it was a couple of years ago and a lot of YouTubers were mad about that. Yeah. And it's like, I get it, but also it's like, I don't know what to tell you, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's difficult. And you understand that from a comedy perspective, but I think we started at a time where a, it was cheaper to live. Yeah. You know, and B we didn't see such a future in comedy that we knew we had to have a job, right. (laughs) That we couldn't just, you know, do this, do one nighters around Texas to sort of, you know, you had to sort of, or a job or something to sell, to make money or some sort of something on the side um, until you started touring. And, um, and so it's, it's difficult because it's, yeah, it is maybe for some people, it's like being a fireman or something like that. But at the same time, it's not, you don't have as much control over it, Yeah. but podcasting, I feel you do, which is nice. I feel it's different, right? You're making it, you're putting it out there. There you go. Right. Yeah. The, I, I have, you know, I don't know if it's through Facebook or whatever. You get this menagerie of just people in your mind where you think. I deleted my Facebook. Oh, good. Way to go. Two years ago. Yeah. I've, done. I've probably posted a total of like a hundred times over the course of however many years. It's not a lot, but I have it because it's really nice to be able to reach out to people. And I, I know yeah, they're I the had devil. To e- I had to ease off of it, but I did it. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> they, But you remember what it feels like to just, and I never scroll down much. So whatever pops mm-hmm. up when I first get there is usually I see that and maybe two or three posts and I get out of there. And but I have this association with people in my life being like socialism kills this sort of idea. And then, which is so weird for artists. Hyperbolic. Very hyperbolic. I've earned everything I've gotten in life. I work really hard. No one should take anything from me. And you're like, yeah, you have a hard physical manual labor job. It sucks Mm -hmm. that they try to take any money from you because you're out there breaking your fingers. However, most people that are in the arts can be like, most things I do are just, to enjoy my life and share that in the, the hopes yeah. that it maybe makes someone's life a, a little better, their life a little more enjoyable. So there's or to like, have a connection to it and to sort of identify, you know, with it. Yeah, something. You know? yeah. But it's like purely socialism and like, oh, I mm-hmm. get a lot of stuff like that for free from the internet as well. My friends share things and therefore like my life is filled with people just making stuff and sharing it out of joy. But then the business people come in, and again, to go back to these podcasts that make people millions of dollars, Mm -hmm. and maybe they set out with this shark-like mentality of like, we're going to make a ton. But like you just said, we can't go into it expecting that to happen. So we enter everything with this kind of neophyte, like maybe something good will come of this. And then the business people, like Sound Exchange yeah. was huge. That that changed it for so yes. many artists. Were like, I'm getting money now. Like, yeah, it turns out people have listened to your material for years for free, and we yeah. got to work. And here's a check. Andy Ritchie had a story where he was like, "I got my first check." You know, because it was that was so crazy. The first check is you get the back. <laughs> you get pay. the backlog yeah. as soon as you <laughs> log in. They're like, "We've been keeping track of this for years." Here's and he got it. Instantly went to the bank, took it all out in cash, and he was like. <laughs> 
I was certain it was a mistake and I just didn't want them to get it back. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. And like when XM started playing just a couple of my tracks, I'm like, wait a second. You're going to, and then you see how little you get from streaming, yeah. you know, and how much you get from satellite radio. And yeah, it's so wild. I get surprised by too. Like I, the album, um, I'm really not saying this to promote it, but I should be permanent. No, hat. We'll talk about it. <laughs> permanent hat. It ple- it's everywhere. Um, but you know, I can't make something like that and say, Oh God, I hope I can make this much money, but I want people to hear it. You know, yeah. I want people to listen to it because you do have to think of it as art, but then also I understand people who need to make money and they're like, how can I do this thing that people want? You know, it's a weird thing that I struggle with because sometimes I don't like the disingenuousness of what people are putting out there. And then sometimes I'm like, I am so glad this person is the fucking shit and knows how to work this system. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like some stuff that's so good. Well, I um, don't, maybe I'm not aware of it. Every now and again, someone will post like a screenshot and be like, my album made it to whatever number on Apple pod or iTunes. And then I'll look and I'll see like, you know, there's obviously Jim Gaffigan or like John Mulaney, yeah. but then there will be someone I've never heard yeah. of where I'm like, Oh, I've used to feel like I had my finger a little on the pulse that that is so hard to do now because of how they changed it. How you can't say go pre-order my album unless you have the special link, or if you're on a big label. That's why those big companies, because they have a deal as as an affiliate. I thought I had to figure all this out because I was so pissed about it. <laughs> you can't direct people easily to go buy your album, so now you will see less and less of those weird artists popping up. Or like, oh. even I think I was in the top ten in 2012, like when I released my album. You can't do it. So when you look on there, it is just Gaffigan, well, Kyle's album. Actually, you know, of course, Andy's with a big. He has a. It's on a big label. Yeah. But and so you get all of that because they're, you know, so you can't. Whatever charts don't. But it was fun to be able to say like, oh, it got onto the charts because then you also get that sort of visual of people coming to that page maybe and seeing you, you know, stand up did on, on there. It did stay unless like you're talking about like this weird algorithm slip where someone slides through the cracks where they could presumably have been like, I think I'm going to make a bunch of money doing stand up, go get a bunch of friends, record an album, put it out. And within one month have that. But I yeah, always what, felt like because what they're up. doing is why those people jump to the top is the way they collect their chart numbers is if you just get because nobody's nobody is buying albums that much. Right. Right. But if you get a lot of people to pre-order your album because you're just, to, you know, and to buy your album on the first day um, and Jim Gaffigan's album has been out 10 years, you might actually be able to just for that day be, you know, have a good spot. You the, can't do I, that the anymore, numbers. But still some people figure it out. Or maybe if, they're buying them. I don't know. I really feel like if it's like 50 albums, that could swing you 10 or 20 spots easily on that list. It's yeah. So oh, easily because little. no one's buying. No right. one's buying albums. And uh, it's a weird thing to juggle because, yeah, of course, I was trying to direct people to do it. I had the pre-order links up on my website um, and uh, and I was and I tweeting them and I'm just like, you know what? If people are on a desktop, it'll just redirect them to Apple Music and who cares? And if they're on a mobile, I'm not going to explain it because Mike Kaplan released an album because I was looking to see what other people were doing. Mm -hmm. And Mike Kaplan actually like was like, OK, so what you have to do is go to iTunes. Like he was explaining <laughs> to people, search for my name and then you can pre-order. 
And other people don't know if you go to people's websites and maybe even yours or people say, buy my album on iTunes, it's mostly just going to go to Apple music because you have to yeah. use this. You have to switch because otherwise it'll redirect. Anyhow, I hate this shit and I get really <laughs> pissed about it and I try to figure out what's going on. <laughs> well, what I was, what I was going to say though, beyond that, beyond like the person who figures it out in like in one month. And yeah. though, I feel like those are rare. Mostly stand up has remained this thing where that can happen way more with music. Someone just fiddling oh, around yeah. in their room and they jump and they are a hit. They are a hit within a month. I mean, well, the, the, the horse song. Old, old, town, oh, old town road. Yeah. 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 Um, the, but with stand up, everyone knows everyone that's been in it a long time. Will, oh yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been in a green room with them. Oh yeah. That person, I did a show with them that per mm -hmm. Oh, right. I just know them. I know of them or I have a friend of a friend who's friends with yeah. them. Th there's something so great about like the equity put into you can't cheat it. Even if you felt like I've watched stand up for 20 years, I'm going to do an album tomorrow. Again, if you know the no, album, maybe yeah, you, you could still slide know through. who they, yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not usually a total, I'm just like, that person, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that guy that I've, that hasn't gone out of their own city. Okay. You know, <laughs> but, um, but no, you do it, it. I do love the fact that there is rarely a comic that someone will bring up that'll be like, I don't know them. And then sometimes I still think, oh, then they must not be anybody. <laughs> like, I still think that in my head, like, who are they then? If I don't know their name, mm -hmm. even though I, you know, I'm not doing stand up right now as many of us are not. So yeah, it's, very few people are, I guess yeah. doing the, uh, well, let's talk about that. Your stress level, you briefly mentioned MS and that's such a mm -hmm. big thing that our little Austin, uh, yeah, our brain problems. Yeah, goodness gracious. We had Andy. I'm, I'm part of the trio. Yeah, then Chuck. Andy, Chuck. We're all different ways, right? Andy, well, I mean, I guess technically Andy, Richie, and I both have a condition, but Andy's so sadly and unfortunate. I mean, I was, I didn't know what was happening to me. So yeah, there was, I wasn't, it happened so fast that I didn't take it to the worst place, but there was a moment when I was in the MRI and knew something was wrong that I thought, what if it's cancer? You know what I mean? Yeah. What if it's something like this? And um, unfortunately that was what happened with Andy because when it's your brain, you can't, there was. Well, it sucked it in was, the beginning so much with him because I'd see him and you know, what's going on. And he'd say, they're just doing some tests. They don't know. So oh. like in the back of my mind, I'm like, I, okay, good. This is TJ Miller had had a thing where he had surgery mm -hmm. and it was innocuous. And I was like, okay, maybe it's that. Maybe he's just, yeah. I've known like other people that have had brain tumors, my uncle, like other people. Yeah. So I thought the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then obviously it wasn't with him and it got really terrible. And then he passed away. And then what was it? One year later, Chuck fell and hit his yeah. head. And then it was right, maybe a couple months later, it felt like I found out your diagnosis. I saw you like that next week because I was already going to LA and I didn't want to not go. I went to, you know, I was diagnosed. I was in LA when I first started experiencing symptoms over Christmas. I was mm -hmm. with Jim. And then I drove to Arizona. And then when I got back to Philly is when I went to the doctor. And um, and of course I've had MS for a long time, but what happens is is the, the sorry, brain lesions and the lesions mm -hmm. you get eventually gets to a point where it's not, it's, it's not just some nagging thing that you've like ignored and been like, Oh, whatever people things happen to people. And that's what was happening to me. And I was getting very dizzy, a weird dizzy feeling yeah. um, that felt like water was going down the inside of my head and it was happening every couple minutes. 
And lots of people didn't believe me, like my mother. <laughs> and um, my, Alex did, my husband, who's been on the podcast, Dr. Alex Platt. And uh, when I got back to LA, I mean, at Philly, I just, I went to a doctor, they did tests, like just regular stuff, blood work, nothing. She said, come back if you're still experiencing it. I was, then I started getting fatigued. I started feeling bad, went back and she goes, why don't you go to the ENT? Maybe it's an ear infection, mm -hmm. which I thought, that maybe, because at that time I didn't know, I was like, what is happening? Yeah. And I went to the ENT and they did a CT scan and they found nothing. Although now maybe they could have found it if they would have known what they were looking for. But basically I was saying something that no one could see unless you gave me an MRI. Right. Yeah. And yeah. when I went to the ENT, who was the hero in all this, he looked in my, he said, there's nothing wrong with your ears. He goes, but I want you to talk to a cardiologist because I'm afraid it's a heart thing. My dad died at 40 hey. of a massive heart attack. Okay. And so he was worried. And, and so the, the cardiologist said, I think you're fine. Just come and see me later. And then he goes, uh, you should go get an MRI. Um, and I was leaving for LA. That was a Friday. I was leaving for LA on Monday to go to Disneyland with my, I do it every year with my husband kid and my mother mm -hmm. and uh and i just said i can i started crying i was just like i can't i can't because it was a lot i was like i can't not go and he goes well either you have to get an mri in la or you should or i don't normally recommend this but you can walk over to the emergency room and i'll call ahead and you can just <laughs> if you can, if you have time you can wait and that's what i did and they didn't see me for like 10 hours and i got an mri at like one in the morning and then they woke me up a couple hours later and they said, well, this is what we found. You have MS or something like it, you know? Oh, and gosh. Jim Hamilton stayed up all night, you know, and I told him like, what I said, I said this way. And he goes, and he felt so bad. He goes, Michelle, I just want you to know that I thought, I feel bad because I really thought that you were being like a hypochondriac. <laughs> and I was like, I, everyone did like, no one can see what yeah. what's happening. And then I had no idea. I had no idea how bad it was going to get. The next year was really bad. I was like, I have to go to Disneyland. And I went to Disneyland. <laughs> I had all these shows. I was supposed to be at Sketchfest. I had all this shit planned and it was a rolling cancel. Like I, I just couldn't believe it was like falling off a cliff. And now I'm settled into it. I can't do things anymore. I used to do things every hour, every minute from thing to thing. And I can't. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to get to a place where I say, no, I only do like, that's why like, even for our podcast today, when you asked me, you know, I said, well, I have to work out today. So let's just see how I feel. Yeah, we had like and, a but very this will, casual. This will exhaust me too. So I'll probably be like, okay, now I'm just playing video games for the rest of the day. But, <laughs> but it's not, it, one that's helpful during this situation, because I think it is everyone mm -hmm. else had such a hard time, maybe in the beginning, you know, kind of taking it, well, now what do I do? But then you could see, like, as a country, we just sort of got bored with it. Everyone now is just oh, trying I've, to get back. I just had a, a conversation with someone earlier today on Twitter about it. You know, people, they're, they're getting bored with it. And I do think of my MS and think about how hard it was. And it was just me, mm -hmm. you know. But now I'm not saying I'm, it's not a sort of like, hey, you can do it. But I'm like, can't everybody just pretend they broke both their legs? Like something, something where yeah. you are really unable to do things. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and people sometimes look at me and I, I, I don't know, I mean, ableist, I hate throwing that word around, but I don't like it when people look at me like, well, you have to stay inside because you have an immune, autoimmune disease. I'm like, I am more healthy than you. Okay. <laughs> My, 
I am not, I do not have increased comorbidity from, you get it from the drug you're on. I'm on this drug Ocrevus. It actually deletes all my B cells. So I only have T cells. I have zero B cells, but it actually does not make me more susceptible to the coronavirus. The only thing it does is when I get the vaccine, I have to have more of it because I don't have the same antibody, you know, creating powers as everybody else. Mm -hmm. And, and also anytime I get anything coupled with MS, it makes my MS symptoms worse. So it's a lot, it's too much. So that's a side reason why I wouldn't want to get it. Um, but it's, it's difficult and, and I get it. And, um, I would not have been able to deal with this MS or this when I was 25, but at the same time, I want 25 year olds to fucking stop going out (laughs) anywhere. Yeah. I can't imagine myself being, look, I'm healthy. I need to party. It's more important to me to go party (sighs) than do do anything remotely um, conscientious of other people's well-being. And past the point, you know, past the point where you think I've done it long enough. I mean, I had a conversation today. It was a Twitter thing. I, I kind of jumped in on. It was a friend of mine. And I personally don't think it's worth doing outside shows. You know, I don't think you, if you're the reason why people are showing up and it's not like a huge drive-in situation, then you are also partially responsible to what those people are doing before, during, and after the shows. And I just think right now, you know, their argument was, well, New York is at a very low rate now. I said, no, 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 it's not low, it's lower. And I'm in Philly. So we closed everything down the same time New York did and even shut our schools down earlier. So I've been locked down as long as, and so have you in California, you guys were very early too, even though you weren't at high rates yet, like it was. Well, they can say with the the testing. And they still have huge, they still have big numbers in New York. It's just, they were, their numbers were so insane that it's like, you're out of that sort of danger zone. And she, and it was a very defeatish as well. We don't, I don't even know if there's ever going to be normalcy, if there's ever going to be a vaccine. Okay, there is. There, it's we are going to get there. This is just what happens. But look at all these other countries. One thing's not going to happen is I'm never going to get to go to Paris again until you stay at home. You know, <laughs> New Zealand a hundred days in a row without a new positive test, and yeah, here we I are know. testing over fifty thousand positives. A day. Mm-hmm. Oh, we test more. Great. We also kill way more. We're, we're dying at a rate that should be unacceptable to everybody. And that to me would be like, I'm going to go ahead and stay in. And yeah, if I, you look up the, the deaths, I looked it up like last year or the year before, like what the causes of deaths in Americans and it's like, and what the deaths are now, we're like number three behind cancer and heart disease. And then it's going to be coronavirus. Yeah. Like it's insane. And the weird ones we get used to, like, I guess we're just going to lose X amount of people every year. You can set your watch to it. You know, it just (laughs) is this horizontal line of like every year, car accidents, smoking, heart disease, things like, should we work on that a little bit? And I think we try, but this one feels like we can tangibly see how hard we're trying and it is piss poor. It's absolutely pathetic how we're handling this as a country. And you're just throwing people to the wolves and there's so many people who have to work, right? Our garbage, the the garbage sanitation workers, um, just all this sort of the people that are serving up all this takeout food or even food that's not takeout in some mm-hmm. crazy places, and you're putting grocery store workers. I mean, you're putting all these people in a position, and um, it, it, it's just it's I 
I'm miserable too, you know, just because (laughs) I'm saying, Hey, I don't think I wouldn't take that risk that you're taking. I am. When I see, because I don't do that. The other thing is, is I was already not doing that much. Right. I had to cut down what I was doing so significantly. And now I can't do anything. So I used to just, instead of staying at home, I would go to a coffee shop in Center City and sit there for a few hours and do s- stuff there. Yeah, just and to just feel out in the world. Seeing a coffee shop on a TV show now, like I'm like, oh, <laughs> I w- or go to the movies by myself or things that I could do Yeah, and not being able to do anything or my my parents are locked in their house in arizona thank god they're not like some of their friends who are still like we're going out for mexican on friday nights like normal you know i'm 90 how old are you 85 (laughs) okay let's go yolo you know like it's stupid (laughs) i when i had my hospital thing that rolling cancellation thing it makes so much sense when you're in that space of like they could be awarding me a lifetime achievement award. They could be giving me a bag of money. What I'm not moving. I can't no, and, and I won't. Mm-hmm. I, I have to be here and the world outside has sort of stopped. And it sucks that everyone has to have that level of association. Oh, I believe it now. I got really sick and was on a yes, ventilator. Yes, they now, have to. They, it's like, well, I hated gay people until my fucking cousin, you know, I saved like my him, life. I was now, drowning. Like, he reached in and pulled me out of the water. I guess I like him. Okay. I like, okay, fine. Okay. I get it. That's fine. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, my dog is barking. That's your dog who yeah. I'm calling my dog. Cause I love him. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I wouldn't even, um, even curl but no, no, I totally agree that it's just, uh, it's, it has to, my aunt died. Not my aunt died. I'm saying <laughs> my aunt did not die, <laughs> but I'm just saying for it to reach them, it's already too far yeah. if it reached you, you know? Right. And so it's, it's, uh, it's really, that's very frustrating. The thing is, is it's going to end when it ends, right? We're yeah. So it is going to end. Yeah. So even if we did nothing, right. Even in Arizona, if you saw this, this friend, a colleague of Alex actually, or not a colleague, he went to grad school with him, but wrote something about how numbers are going down in Arizona because of crazy shared immune population immunity that has happened Really? Because of the fucking free-for-all. Yeah, Florida and Arizona and Texas. This guy, God, I can't remember his name. Um, you can ask me later. But this guy, I hated it because I didn't want it to be used by, which I'm sure right-wingers are going to use it. But the point is that, you know, people are still locked in their houses in these places and people are still dying and getting sick and all this, you know. But at some point, you know, it's like, you know, survival of the fittest. It's like a loan. Can you make it a hundred days? You get a million dollars, you know? Like, oh, we finally started the the, the new season. Oh. I think we're going to time it. So we'll see the finale in real time. But uh-huh. that, I remember when you first got your diagnosis and I think I brought up detectorists and then we both started talking about how relaxing alone was because it yes. really is stress reducing. There's something about it, even though they're in these very tense situations, there's something nice about the low amount of external factors they're they're dealing there's, with. They're not playing to anybody. Some of them try to sort of be a little bit too extra, you know, and those yeah. people are never the ones that really sort of no. make it. This season, because as we've talked about, they're getting people who have probably never watched a TV show in the last 20 years. <laughs> like, it is insane watching these people. Yeah. Um, it is scary, 
also, because you know, for everybody should watch it. I feel like nobody knows about this show. There's one season on Netflix now, so like people yeah. are watching. And it a it's not bit. the best season though either. Like the no, it, it's the best season is when that guy got pulled out because he was starving and he had all that fish. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, he smoked a ton of fish and he got because you go crazy when you're low calories and you can start to tell when people are starting to make poor decisions. You're like, uh. Yeah, his his pants are tied up around him, <laughs> forty belt loops past or forty notches in his belt past where they would go, and we got to take you out of here, man. But I have food, and then I have twenty <laughs> pounds of fish that I didn't eat. <laughs> now yeah. I'm almost dead, but I'm that gonna was... win. But it's a great show because the difference that I don't think anybody's gonna make in a hundred days. I just have to say this, but the, before if you made it the longest, you won, but you had no idea. You have no idea. Yeah. How much longer? You don't know if you're on day 30, if there's three people left or nine people left. And you just have to keep going and you don't know you win until someone shows up. Yeah. Your family shows up. Right. You won. <laughs> but no one's ever made it. I saw no one's ever made it past like 80 days. Yeah. That one guy, though, that did. He wanted But maybe the, they could have made it longer. I don't know. Yeah. There was a guy that. Well, the moose guy was doing great. And then uh, the guy that had made all those spoons. I don't know if you remember that season when he won. Vaguely, yeah. He was doing great. Um, and then there was the MS woman. And that, like, I think we talked about that and how yeah. she was. I like the women so much more as contestants because. This season, there's there's some very, there's, there's a couple great um, female contestants that I really love. But they're always just, so many men come in, I'm going to show this place who's boss. And the women are always like, I'm going to kind of feel it they out. Are, yeah, it's true. It's great. Their, their mindset is always much more relaxing and they just quietly keep living. Whereas the men are like, if I could just make it over this thing, I'll live one more day. And the girls are like, I got some berries. I should be good for a few days. Let's see where uh -huh. this goes. And but she was a little too in touch with nature and kind of karma. And, so, and remember she turned back that fish? To that huge fish and she was uh, like I don't think and she also we talked about this in the context of with ms you have to go I mean, i'm sorry you have to go on your the, the disease managing treatment the ms is so much of a better outlook now than it was before and the drugs they have they can't reverse yeah. the brain damage in the spot they cannot which would be amazing right so the things that i have i have yeah but you go on these drugs you can, I, I haven't had newly, I haven't had any new lesions in like the last year and a year or so. That's fantastic. And, um, so you don't get, so I still might, it's a progressive disease even with, I mean, I, it is a progressive disease. I probably will, but, um, but it is very hard to accept the fact when you have that kind of a disease to accept, I had a hard time with it, that it does limit you in what you do. And so in that first one, she was kind of an advocate of no drugs she that's what she does i looked her right. up yeah and then she came back on to another season and that's hard for me to hear because i'm like ah you know <laughs> yeah. um don't i i get that i i have gotten and i try to control my health you know because of my ms but i'm not saying that's cured my ms and i think that it gets construed when you're uh, when you, you both things are happening at the same time, like yeah. I'm going to evangelize what I've done. So you feel better. No, we're different people. Yeah. But so she had a lot of good things to say, but it was, it was for me, I didn't, I didn't care for it. And, um, but she came back for a, um, for another season and she was not in a good place with their MS because that's what happens. And that's why, and she went into a fatigue spell, which can last for a few weeks. Yeah. 
And she had, and I, I felt really bad for her, but also at the same time, you're watching and you're like, you know, it's, it's okay that people are like that because everyone has to deal with it, but to watch it and to identify and to say, it is what happens. You know, you can see that sort of same thing, yeah. you know, but I, I felt bad for her, but I'm glad she, that she left. I felt a multitude of things in that, you know, say you're well medicated and you trust your treatment, et cetera, to then go on and take a challenge on like that to climb a mountain yeah. or to survive the stress that's involved there to in any way be able to manage it. The stress. Yeah. It, it, I think it's a stress. There's lots of things. I mean, like I said, I have done a lot of things, you know, mostly like, my health, like I've gotten extremely in shape, you know, like I've lost like 80 pounds since last year. And I'm not telling people to lose weight or anything, but it's been very hard. And I have done it all by calorie counting and I do work out, but I knew that I couldn't depend on cardio because of my MS. I didn't know when I was going to get fatigued, but I just thought if I'm ever in bed again for a year, like I was the first year, I wasn't in bed the whole time, but really incapacitated. I want to be in better shape so I can really so I can really enjoy myself with, <laughs> with whatever delivery food I order. And, um, thank but, you for so this takeout. I got myself out of bed all by myself. I hope you're Yeah. Impressed. So I just, it, it's, you know, it's very, it's, it's, uh, it's very difficult. Um, I forgot what the beginning of this what was Have you the read... thing that prompted. Oh, oh this is, yeah. The stress of it, but it's just very, the, I, I just, I, you have to, it sucks. It, it really sucks. I feel bad for everybody because you're, I, I sometimes just think I wish I could just do this again or go this place or have this conversation or be around this person or, and you just can't, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes that affects my child and sometimes it affects, you know, my husband or just anybody, you know, and I'm just like, I can't, I can't, you know, the stress of it. So to take it on, that was great. Um, but it's not a joke show. It's not, maybe she could have done survivor, you know, like a show where there's support. Yeah. Yeah. She's looking around camera gear all out there by herself the whole time. Have you read, uh, the brain that changes itself by Norman? If I said, I'll send you a link to that, that, that was really helpful with working with Chuck, uh, neuroplasticity and like these lesions. Oh, eliminating parts of your brain where you're like, will I learn to do that again? And then figuring it is, out that's where a lot of the fatigue from MS comes from that I didn't even realize. Cause that was some, cause I, most of my problems are actually cognitive. And, um, so I've been learning French for like the last two years. I do New York times crossword puzzles every day. I, nice. I take the, that it is very important for me to, um, because it, it is, when I get tired, I start to lose my ability to grab words. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I lose how I just forgot what we were talking about. That's something that happens to me. I oh, forget okay. where I but started, where you, I was going. And that's you, a new thing. But do you find that, I mean, when that first started happening to me or when I wouldn't remember a person's name that went with their face, it was so mm-hmm. baffling to me. Like, wait, 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 my whole life yeah. I've been encyclopedic with this. And now I feel like one of these LA flakes where I'm like, yeah, we know each other. Right. And it was just, I just had to chalk it up to age, I suppose. So that must be really That's tough what with- I chalked it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, um, yeah, I, that happened to me when I noticed that before I noticed it with spelling words. I was, I'm all, I've always been a very good word speller and I was like, oh, I guess I'm just getting older. I don't know <laughs> that word or grabbing. This still happens to me now that I know, but before I, you know, you know, something, you know, 
it's Bruce Springsteen saying this or something, but you're like, I can't grab it. Now I become obsessed with it where I'm mm-hmm. just like, relax your mind. You yeah. know what I mean? Just try to, I do that too. Where I go, it. give me, I'll, I'll be talking to someone and I go, I know, I know the name and they want to look it up and go, give me 10 minutes and it'll show yeah. up. And more often than not, it does when I've kind yeah. of relaxed and stopped thinking about it. Cause when I sit there in it and go, come on, you have to like a drift. I have a joke about that on my album, permanent hat, which is available everywhere. But I have a joke about that where it's like, Oh, so this is what it's like to be stupid. <laughs> Because I'm like, oh, okay, so this is what you deal with. I have a disease, but you're just walking around every day just not knowing shit? Okay, well, you know, and, uh, but it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird feeling. So yeah, it is something, and I identify it in other people now when I see people trying to stop, you know, and grab, and not that they have, oh, you have MS, but because it's a <laughs> cognitive, right, it, that happens um, across the spectrum on lots of, as things involve aging and your brain and, yeah. And, and when you have MS, your brain actually shrinks at a faster rate. Fun fact. And so, mm. which is why my symptoms, I just noticed why I noticed my symptoms finally, because the lesions, it's like an iceberg, right? You know, yeah. you're getting this damage and your brain shrinking. And then it's, you, you know, you can't, you're, you can't compensate it like you could. How do, so a couple questions there. How do you avoid sure. thinking about that? And then two, how cathartic was coming up with the stuff for the album, arranging it, you know, finding out the pacing of it, practicing it, getting out of the house to go do shows and things like that. I was supposed to record an album a few months after I thought it had MS. And so of course I had to put that on the back burner. Um, what ended up happening is I, I wasn't doing very much standup um, when I started doing standup again and started getting out there. I only would do shows I wanted to do, but I really wanted to put out my album. And what I was going to do is just do three 20 minute sets and have it stitched together and have, not have it stitched together, have three separate 20 minute sets, which is what I did, but we did have them stitched together. So it's one full, mm-hmm. it's like 50 something minutes, but I did not get to trot it out. It was like, I was an open micer all over again. A lot of the stuff on my album, I, it's a paper edit and I was doing it it was so weird because it was memorization, which was like the wrong thing for me to pressure myself into doing. And it's also when I'm writing funny, it's different from when I'm speaking funny. Right. So I would have to write it and then say it out loud and then re-edit it. And so it was, there's a lot of stuff I eliminated that I was going to put on my album that didn't seem consequential to me anymore after what had happened. A lot of stuff that that's kind of mean, you know, or mm. that's about it's just stuff that I just like, I don't want to do this like half-ass stuff. Um, and so it did, it totally formed what was going to be on the album and also talking about MS, which I did on the album. There's like a chunk in there. And, uh, and so I'm really glad that I did it and I'm super happy with it, but it was 100%. It was such a different approach um, to it. I wasn't, I was with Chris Fairbanks, um, you know, who's a friend of ours, an Austin person, and he closed. So I just middled, mm-hmm. right? And so I would do my sets and then he would close so nice. we could do it like that. But it was, it was, I'm re- so happy I did it because I had to do it in such a different way. And um, I, and I got it done in the first weekend of February. If I would have waited any longer, I probably never would have released an album and just said, fuck stand up because of the, pandemic right yeah. everything stopped yeah yeah so well i'm glad you did it i'm glad one because 
not just because to see you keep doing stand-up, which I think yeah. is great. You know, sometimes people get um, a diagnosis or just a change. Just And that could be just having a child. That could be having a new job. Yes. Moving, yeah. and they go, you know what? I'm kind of done with that. And it's always such a bummer. It's like, you have more to offer. You're good at this. I, I'd, I'd like to see you press on in spite of... Although, have you seen uh, Val Kilmer speaking lately with his tracheotomy? <laughs> oh, it's tough. And like, I, I don't know how I feel about. Sometimes you get dealt a blow that makes it really, really difficult. It was. I think that was the big realization for me after the first year, and I would go and do stand up. It, it makes me very tired to do stand up. My face goes numb when I get when my face goes numb when I get tired. So my nose and like the sides of my face and I get very, very, very tired. And when all the stuff around stand up, all the hanging out makes me very tired. Mm-hmm. And so, and I just, and I'd show up at a show like here in Philly. So it's just like some bar show with some, you know, local comics and I would feel terrible and it would be, so I'd be put me up early. I have to do it. And I, every time I go, I hate, I feel so shitty. And then one day I just said, this is how you feel now when you do stand up. This is how it feels. And that's how it's going to feel. And so the next time you go do stand up, just remind, this is how it feels. It's not like it was before. And so that changed everything. So I just say, this is how it feels. And another thing I do is I go, I try to avoid people. It's hard when it's someone I love. <laughs> A lot of times I'll go see someone like Chad Daniels was at the punchline you know, and they ask you to do guest sets, right? You go up and see a friend, they ask you to do guest sets. And a lot of time I'm like, do not say yes to the guest set. Don't show up in makeup. Because like, the whole point is I want to be able to like do the hangout part, but like, doing both is what would be, is such a difficult thing. Yeah. So it's, it is, it's very, very difficult to not feel the same, to not. And I just slowed it down and I just sort of, um, you know, just, I just, I just roll with it. I can hear it in my, I can hear when I'm getting tired mm-hmm. and I can't do sets longer than like 20, 25 minutes. And I really don't like to do even sets as long as that. Well, let me know if this is uh, taxing you at all. You know, I don't want to, well, it might be taxing your listeners. We've been talking for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been uh, like an hour, but uh... okay. But no, it's fine. No, you're the only thing I'm doing today. Um, oh, I'm going to play video games after this and, uh, and I like you. So like, it's a big <laughs> difference. I really only do things generally now. And even when I was able to leave the house with, and that now it's a, it's a very important, I say no to things and I try to make sure it's a situ. It's a very, you know, a situation I like yeah. show up, see someone, because not see someone that I'm just okay with, or I tolerate who I'm so whatever it has to be someone, Oh, I'm looking forward to talking to this person. Um, and so that makes it that, that even if I'm going to get tired afterwards from it and everyone will suffer, but I will have enjoyed <laughs> this. <laughs> it's got, one on one hand, it seems like a nice, Oh sweet. I can get out of this too. Difficult to bring that up though. You know, difficult it is. to someone say, Hey, when I'm in up? it, it's difficult when I'm in it, it's very difficult. Um, I try to just avoid it unless it's like uh, appropriate, but it's, yeah, it is. I, I used to use it a lot more when I used to say yes to a lot more things. I yeah. used to say at the last minute, I, I can't do it. Now I kind of know now I don't do anything. So I, I just, it doesn't matter, but it's in the middle when you're in the middle of something, I've been in Uber rides where you get an Uber driver that talks and talks and talks. Mm-hmm. And it's at the, I'm in LA or something. And I just did a show 
and my lips go, I mean, like I, it really is a very uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do anything tomorrow because of what I just did. And I have to say, um, I have to tell people to stop talking. And <laughs> when it's not someone being a jerk, right. If someone's being like a fucking racist asshole, shut the fuck up. Let me, but if it's just somebody, <laughs> Oh, so what do you do? Who do you like? What were you doing? I'm like, yeah. eh, you're too nice. Shut up. You know, like I can't, <laughs> I just, it's yeah. It's so much effort. The same, I feel like everyone is trying in their life to find that way to how do I just get the marrow or the good parts and not have to deal with all of this bullshit that goes around yeah. it. Get MS. <laughs> get MS. Make make people, yeah, create that life. <laughs> I was getting the few but times. But I'm privileged that I am in a place now and at an age where I can control it. But I cannot imagine if this happened to me when I was supporting myself, you know, in my 20s. Yeah. Because it... Uh, I would have had to have done a lot of things that it would have just, it would have been crazy. Mm -hmm. so. There's a, a movie called the night manager, not the one with uh, Hugh Laurie. That's the night clerk or something. I don't know any movie called that. So there's a night something or it's on Netflix and it's about a guy uh, with Asperger's and mm -hmm. like the end of yeah. the movie really stuck with me for a while because at first it doesn't make sense. But then and I don't want to give too much away. But when you watch it, you're like, oh, OK, I think that's what that was all about. And so watch mm -hmm. it and then I'll confer with you. I, you know, it's funny you should say that, but this sort of autistic brain, there was like a paper on it. A lot of like the cognitive stuff and the tiring stuff and the sort of like sensory overload is the same kind of thing happens when your brain is rewired and and. And, uh, and so now I do, when I see, you know, people that are suffering from, from that kind of thing, I'm like, uh, you know, what, even though it's something totally different, I, it is something I totally identify with having to deal with because it's also inside you and Asperger's, especially if you're high functioning, mm -hmm. people can't, they don't know. And I can't <laughs> not be like this. Right. So I am exhausting myself if I'm actually trying to be an interesting person. <laughs> and so when I do stand up, it's the same way. And so it's, it's such a, it's such a crazy thing to sort of be able to identify with now when I see it and to understand, oh yeah, that, that is hard, you know, yeah, to sort of deal with. Yeah. The uh, internally. Mm -hmm. I, I want to, I guess that ties into having just the enjoyable aspects, like in times of my life where I was, uh, my, maybe my time would be a little more valuable. I get contacted by people. Want to just meet up and have coffee? Want to hear my idea? I have a thing. Yeah. And I'd go, oh, okay. And then, and, cause just thinking like, well, I hate to think if I asked someone this, they said no, but that's kind of how it goes. It's kind of how yeah. this person's been alive for a while and they know the things they like and don't like. And even if I had an enjoyable time having a coffee with them or something, I might afterward be like, that was a couple hours that I probably would have rather spent differently. And so I want to yeah. have that Asperger's-esque. And I do this with my family because the nice thing about comedians is you almost never have to do this. You, you never have to say, like, I'm bored with this. But if mm -hmm. someone in my family starts telling a story that I don't care about, like, I don't care about this. And they'll go, what? Like, as if it's a rude thing. And I'll go, I think you should know. I'm, I I love you and you're a, per, a big part of my life. But do you really want to talk about so-and-so's second cousin and what their wedding was? I don't care. Yeah. And then they'll I, go, it's, yeah, you're right. I love that you do that because it's beneficial to everybody, even though it's it, it's it comes off as rude. And it even comes off as rude when I'm saying it because I have to <laughs> right. say, it ti please, it tires me out 
Yeah. If this is going to happen, you know, because it's wasting my time. It's going to take me to a place. It's going to take away this other thing that I want to do, yeah. you know, playing Scrabble with so-and-so or something, and I won't be able to do it. So it's, yeah, it's very difficult. And it's hard because I think sometimes people, I think what sometimes people don't realize about MS or maybe other things, it's like, they think the fatigue, you know, the, and for me, it's, they, they don't understand it's like a brain fatigue, right? It's not like, it, no, it's not about me not being able to walk around a block, you yeah. know, <laughs> it, it, it's, so it's just, it's what just sort of like living life is taking out of you, you know, and the complexities of yeah, it. Yeah. But that do, takes like, every, it takes things out of everybody. For sure. People yeah. really, this goes back to the coronavirus stuff, people lacking mm -hmm. an ability to understand what it's like for other people. Being on stage is like driving. You know, when you drive along, yes. you're like, I was just sitting. You're, you're thinking while you're talking. You're thinking every millisecond, <laughs> like I'm dodging danger. Every time you're driving, like, is that oh. person drunk? Is something going to run out? Is that light going to turn red? Is this person going to swerve over? Is yeah. my tire going to blow up? There's something always think. And on stage, same level of thought, rapid fire. And then What's that guy doing in the front? Should I say anything about that person who's checking their text messages? I'm going to comment on this brain. after about this thing. I'm going to fucking shut that person down. Okay, I need another drink. Will it be funny? Yeah, it's And that's crazy. all while you're talking. This is like a B yeah. story. While too. you're telling jokes. Yeah. While well, you're pausing. <laughs> while I'm, you're acting yeah. focused and tied into what you're saying as if that's the only thing you're thinking about is that joke you're telling and mm -hmm. meanwhile, off in the background is all this other stuff. So you're kind of tired afterward, perhaps. Yes. A coronavirus person who couldn't understand, but I can't get sick, would never understand you going, hey, I'm a little tired. I got to get out of here. And then you just turn around and play Zelda. And they'd be like, Bruh, yeah, Bruh. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I have to go play video games for three hours. What? How is that? I'm like an NPC. Come on. You know? Yeah. It's... Uh... Why would everyone have to go through it to understand that? But I guess that's just life and getting older and having a few like rings in your trunk or whatever it is where you understand like, oh, okay, I get it. I get what you're doing there. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the one thing and you're about to have a kid. And also I, the one thing and we haven't commented on is that you, you have to go to have a kid. Like you are affected by people making things more dangerous because, you know, you're like, <laughs> Sanitation worker, people that are pregnant and have to go have babies around other people, yeah. you know, and um, and so it's very. But I think with having a kid, and you know, and since we're older parents, it's really helpful um, being able to sort of raise your kid, not preaching it at them, but where you're kind of demonstrating that idea of just because that's not you, that's happening to this other person but this is how we're a part of it or how it affects us. Yeah. And I'm telling you in the coronavirus, the, um, the black lives matter, Trump, all of this stuff, I don't keep from my kid, you know, and it's, and it's great um, to sort of, you think, how are they going to understand? Are you kidding? Five years from now, they're going to be telling me things. Yeah. So it's like, I try to remind myself <laughs> of that, of what I thought. So me just giving them information and extra stuff and stuff that I'm trying to learn and giving that to your kids, you're not scaring them. You're right. giving them context that will help them and help the people around them who they will influence. That's so and, smart. Um, I like that. I have a friend uh, and her child's four. And she's like, we're not telling them about the 
<laughs> I was like, I think they're going to notice that all your friends that pop by have masks on. This is good. Yeah. Four is the most plastic a brain, a human 100%. brain can be. I never thought once my kid was 10 months old, I was like, I, I, there was something that happened where I said, like, go down this slide or turn around. It's something where they were at, we're at Jimboree, this class, like mommies and kids or whatever, daddy, parents and kids. Mm-hmm. And, and they did what I said. And I was like, oh. And from then on, I was like, even though they were still a baby, you know, I'm like been doing baby stuff. I was like, my kid is understanding what I'm saying, you know, and I'm going to try and make sure that what I'm saying is something that, you know, moves us along in the right way, in a fun, appropriate way. Yeah. That's smart, though, to think of like, you're almost giving uh, Tenny sort of like a recon mission that she's unaware of. Or they are unaware mm-hmm. of to be like, hey, can you recount to me what was five years ago? What was the tone like? And then, oh, well, mom, it was this. You're like, hey, oh, I totally when forgot the, that. The, the DNC was here in 2016, and I took Tenny, and Tenny was four. Mm-hmm. And I took Tenny, I mean, not just four, like almost four. And I took Tenny to groups to like think, like, like talks and the night before the election, the night or sorry, the, the night before the election, um, there was a huge rally at Independence Mall, and I got into the VIP section. It was still like a thousand people, and I stood in line. I, mean, I could never. This is the kind of thing where I think back now. I could never do so. I stood in line with Tenny for three hours, and went in, and it was like Bruce Springsteen, John Bon Jovi singing like right in front of us, and then watching um, all the Clintons. Michelle, Barack, you know, everybody yeah. talk and we're right there. Tenny remembers that. And we have <laughs> pictures and video. So doing anything like that where you're just, you know, um, uh, that sort of touchstone. I did it then because I thought, won't it be great? They'll know that they were there when the first woman was elected president. <laughs> That's why I did it. I was like, what the fuck? But now at least, you know, uh, you know, they, they, <laughs> They know that they know the struggle, but, uh, but so, but now I'm beginning to see it, it, it actually, now they're, you know, becoming of an age where I can see them, you know, advocating and, and sort of thinking and, and saying, and, and especially like when they're talking with other people and kids. Yeah. So you see it, you're like, oh, all that stuff is actually in there and they're developing their cognitive reasoning and mind. It's just great. Yeah. It's in the paradigm too. There's this feeling looking back that it's always sort of been the same. Fourth of July, Christmas and Thanksgiving and Halloween. Mm -hmm. We did this as kids. Maybe the neighborhoods were a bit different or whack when we were young. We didn't have to worry about pedophiles and vans. And otherwise, (laughs) like it just feel like it's always sort of been the same. But we don't really take into account the subtle psychological trauma of a thing like the Great Depression and how that influences mm-hmm. an entire generation. And not just the people who lost their jobs, their children who were three and four and what they yeah. dealt with and being told, we're not telling them about the Depression and how that yeah. influenced. I remember my grandmother telling me that she watched her father during the Depression be really resourceful with toilet paper. And I was like, one, that's a really gross memory. And two, of course you remember that now as an 80 plus year old, because as a three-year-old, you're seeing something like, this is odd behavior. What does this mean? You totally yeah. internalize it. So, of course, Tenny is going to have stories that in 10, 15, 20 years mm-hmm. are going to blow you away. Like, wait, that's what you took from that? That's why, exactly. you know? Yeah. 
no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's wild to see them because now you're kind of living part of their life for them, you know? And, um, but when they take that over and you're not out there like, this is the thing, you know, you're <laughs> kind of like saying, here's Teddy and I'll give you, it'll be like, no, when it's them doing it, yeah, it's, it's such, um, it's, it's and it's going to happen. Like it's happening now. You know? Yeah. And kids always have this great ability after the fact to go, hey, why did no one do this? And we'll just rack our yeah. brains and go, wait, did anyone try that? Yeah, why mm. was no one doing that? And yeah. That, you know, there's inevitably going to be a, a um, an eight, a four-year-old, a 12-year-old, or whatever th- logical sort of solution. Why don't we all just wear this? Like, oh, kid, how did none of us think of that? We're a bunch of idiots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's also even like, well, why in the nineties did you not care about, I don't know why we didn't have Twitter. I didn't know anything. I was stupid. Like (laughs) that no one gave us information. It was the student newspaper and what you learned from your old professor, you know, like, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, no, but it's interesting. So I am excited for you to to have a child. I have one. I don't know if you're planning to have more. I still look at babies and I'm like, Oh, I loved it when like Tenny was little and sleeping on me, but it's nice to sort of get to the point where they are just a part of your house (laughs) (laughs) and you can sort of, you know, like actually like they can become more of an integral part and, and you you're and not such a, you know, you can kind of send them off to do a loan for it. If you can make it a (laughs) hundred days without my interaction, I will give you $100. (laughs) How much is a lot of money to you? I'll give you that much money. 150. Okay. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> I'm going to get to that sweet bar. But I don't want to see you for 100 days. <laughs> You're going to have to eat your shoes. It's okay. It makes me think of Spartan culture at like 11, 12. The boys had to sleep outside. And if they died, it was just kind of like, ah, they weren't tough enough. They just mm. had to be extraordinarily brutally tough and obviously i don't want to raise a child that way no but i like the idea of 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 expecting something from them i agree and i think it's so interesting because you and i are so different in that i always when i bring your name comes up i always say to tenny oh david's the one who he could be on a loan like i'm like i always like say like he knows he would still suck at it because it's harder than any you know like yeah. it's how many days would you make have you looked at the list of things and picked out what you would oh bring? for sure yeah i know yeah. exactly and what so I it's it's but it's like i impart upon tenny things that i know and this summer they've been doing these zoom camps i mean tenny can code i mean tenny codes tenny um uh, you know, has been doing all these, they're a very good drawer and they've been doing all these different uh, drawing apps and stuff. And, and so just kind of throwing them in there and giving them the tools to sort of troubleshoot and figure out and talk to them about it. So I, yeah, I don't know what they're going to end up, but I think it's great when you have a kid to do the things that you do, I would send fucking Tenny to your house and be like, (laughs) okay, you're going to learn how to make an ax, you know, like or whatever you do. I don't know. <laughs> I took a you're bunch of- You're going to learn how to blacksmith a something. Yeah. I, make I, t-shirts, <laughs> do leather, make a belt. Got yeah. a lot of hobbies. And the, I think it's great. Yeah, thanks. I took some buddies uh, fly fishing last year and a high percentage of them, the ones that went with me on like an expedition 
mm-hmm. all except one caught a fish on a fly rod and, oh. and, and their faces were like little kids. Like the moment mm-hmm. they pulled it out of the water. And I liked that feeling of everyone wants to know or learn something atypical or that they're unfamiliar with. Yeah. So I, that really excites me about being a parent, you know, the, the, to impart something that they could take anywhere. They could become a master mm-hmm. at something, but it's just getting that little starting point. Of, when they learn uh, that they can learn something. And yeah. I, and I know that about myself, you know, about like, I was a web designer. I still, I just redesigned my website and I started in the nineties when it wasn't a lot of people doing it. And it was like, when I'm like, I'm going to figure that out, I'm going to do it. When you learn that there's no mystery and you you shouldn't be stymied by uh, something you don't know, for me it was that yeah. comedy, I guess. That is the best thing you can teach a kid, even if it's something they're gonna fucking be like, oh, I hated doing that, Let, whatever with that, or fly fishing <laughs> is so stupid. But something else where they can take that and be like, I'm gonna learn how to tennis skateboards, right? So that's like something. Yeah, I, I yeah. would never do that. When you were posting those videos, and they were initially really trepidatious going and then the next one oh look at this look uh-huh. at them zoom yeah they just like li- they lean back they do think they want to look <laughs> yeah. cool yeah. yeah it was great it's, it was just that thing yeah. of seeing oh yeah kids are they're not us they're they're not brittle and rickety and like a skateboard mm-hmm. oh they're they're really pliable and and malleable in a way that is Oh, unaware of the fears that we have from hurting our bones and things is yeah. so great. No, and then I think exactly. of you. And it's fun to sort of like, uh, you know, you know, people they are like, I want my kids to grow up the way I did. Well, I mean, but wouldn't it be more fun to see what happens to them if they just do, you know, do things that they're interesting? You know, I, I think there's a combination of that that's healthy. Yeah. I have certain bedrock sort of things yeah. that I want them to know how Me to too. do. And I don't care what type of person they are. They could be anywhere on the human spectrum but they i want them to know how to do a, a couple of viable things that i think in ask any... me and i'll tell you i don't know how to do them go ahead because one of them's <laughs> going to be like like um i could probably i never changed the tire and i have called male friends of mine <laughs> to drive <laughs> to me to do it it would mostly just be more so driving i think that just oh. driving and parking I don't oh, like when okay. people are I'll like, I'm that. not good at this. I just feel like there's no excuse to not be good at that. That'd be one of them. Changing a tire, that, that's optional. Okay, days. well then, what is it anything that, that you're going to teach them that, that, that it has more to do, take the time? No, I think it has more to do with what you're talking about, of stick-to-itiveness, of mm, just being yeah. able to stick I don't, I don't. This idea of, I'm going to, I'm not going to do that because it seems too hard. It happens. I mean, like... Alex does this. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, <laughs> let's figure out how to do it right and then do it. If we're going to skip it because we're lazy and don't want to deal with it, then let's say that's what we're doing. <laughs> but otherwise, <laughs> let's not say it's broken and all hope is lost. Let's figure it out. Yeah. You know, and um, and I love it. I mean, I love, like I, I said, I'm learning French and I, I know Spanish very fairly well. And I learned German when I lived in Vienna, although that's not, I, I would have to restudy that. But it's just this idea of like, can I learn French when I just <laughs> have a de- learned I have a debilitating brain illness? And it's just sort of putting in that time and doing it. It's such a good feeling, you know? I think you will um, love the brain that changes itself. I highly recommend it because yeah. that is a huge part of it. It's tackling new things. And there's a great story about a, a guy who's 80 or 90 at this. I think 90. 
and sharp as attack. Everyone that talks about mm-hmm. him is like, oh, well, he was a, in private practice. No, he was um, like a surgeon or something until 70. Like, um, I want to say anesthesiologist, perhaps. Fit, retired at 70 and then decided, you know, I'm not done yet. Went back, got some accreditation type stuff, opened a private practice as just a general practitioner. And oh, did, you know, I love it. Just a family doctor until he was 80. And then he he got out of that and was like, I think the reason I'm so sharp and with it is because I keep trying new things. It's not Mm -hmm. because I can do Sudoku faster and faster and faster every day. It's that he got really into history and then he would try to learn a bit of the language and then go travel to the place where that history took. I love it. I think it's so great. And I think it makes me feel good to hear you're doing that. I, because I really was sad about, I mean, I was depressed. I mean, because it felt like I was, everything was taken from me, everything I knew about myself. And I had to think of new things, you know? I mean, I went to Paris after I'd only been doing French for a couple months. I couldn't speak it, but it was like, I went by myself. I was like, I want to see if I can travel by myself. So it's sort of like figuring out what your new comfort zone is, but I'm not ready to retire, even if I'm not able to sort of like pursue any sort of real stand-upping, you know, uh, especially because of the coronavirus, which yeah. is a nice pause. <laughs> um, but, uh, and so it's figuring out until I'm like, I don't know, maybe never, but where it's like, okay, now I cannot try and force myself to, I have a list of things I do every day because I, it would be so, I, have to, I take Adderall in the morning. That helps me get up. There's the only Daily drugs I take are vitamin D and Adderall and some allergy medications, but the Adderall, I need that to sort of like get up for the day. Cause otherwise uh, it feels like I have the flu all the time. Yeah. So that's kind of how Ugh. it feels. And, but I have a list of things. It's meditate. I do some French. Um, and, uh, you know, some days I work out, I write down, take my pills on my to-do list. I don't forget. <laughs> so I have things read. I read every day that I'm going to do every day along with your, um, whatever else you have to do because I want to make sure that I am not just phoning it in on a day. Cause I'm afraid that's what I'll just end up doing every day yeah. because, because it was harder in the beginning. And so now I'm just, I have this fear in my head and it's, I'm, I try to keep it from being obsessive, but this fear of, of sort of giving up. Yeah. You know? And so I just, I'm just like, I can't, I have to sort of focus on this thing and that thing. And that's what I'm doing. Even if it's not real, I mean, it's, it is real, but it's not like I'm, I'm not working either stand up or otherwise. Yeah. So it's made up stuff, but I do it. And yours is 10 times. Video games. (laughs) Very important. (laughs) But it's way more magnified, but everyone is doing some version of that, that Mm -hmm. can't go to work. Everyone that has to create and they don't have kids, they have to teach or something, you know, everyone's Mm -hmm. kind of creating, how do I manufacture a schedule and keep myself being a person in spite of productive and validated. And yeah. yeah, And just it's, it's, especially with a comedian, right? You're living your whole life. I told Alex, I said, I'm used to people just every once in a while going up and people just thinking I'm the best thing ever. Like you have to be that. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it's, it is. And there's lots of people not doing that. And I'm not saying anything against those people, but it makes it, if you think of this as like an opportunity in a way, you know, um, save all these horrible things that could be happening to you right now. What could you do? Would you do? Can you do? Because it'll be over. And then you do, you go back slowly to things that you were going to do, but maybe at that point you know a new language or you've made a website or you started a podcast or you've, um, played cribbage every day, you know, with someone. So there's all these things I think, um, 
that you can get something from that, that absolutely when cornered, you, you know, you could be doing people initially brought up, uh, or first I am getting, like, I am getting tired by the way. Okay. We'll wrap it up then. <laughs> the, uh, but I was going to bring up when you talked about like the need to go on and kind of figuring out why, like you'll never see a three-legged dog pouting. Right. Even with a bad it's there's something so endearing about seeing yeah. like, oh man, they're just pushing on. They don't even look like it affected or even happened. And mm-hmm. there's something about raising a child that way. You think of it happening to yourself, getting a limb amputated or losing one of your senses, you know, something massive where you go, oh, how would I continue? And then you think, well, how would I try to inspire someone else? And you're not there right away. Right. And no. I, that's the thing I think you have to get past is like, it's not, I remember crying at Disneyland, you know, <laughs> because it's just like, you're not there. You know why? Because literally when I was at Disneyland, which is like three days after my diagnosis, I got an email from the booker at Conan about a set I had sent him saying, okay, I like these three jokes work on. <laughs> he literally was like, <laughs> okay, um, here's a TV spot. And I, it was just, that was too much at that point, but it's, but when you can get past that point and you're like, I can't, I know it's not going to be the same. It's going to be different. How can I sort of adjust it? It's freeing, you know, mm-hmm. it's freeing because you're forced to make these choices, you know? And so it's that, that initial shock of it, you know, um, and so many people have had so many horrible accidents, you know, where they have like, you know, been paralyzed and yeah. to be able to then sort of adapt to it and then figure out, oh, well, I was never going to do this thing before, but now I'm going to do this and do it well, you know, yeah. and not think about what it was like and what I still think about that. I mean, I right. think everybody does. Yeah. It bums me out. Um, but in a way where I'm like, there's no way I could ever do that day those that week I had, those two weeks I had. When when I see comics do night after night shows, I'm just like, like, what? In different cities? I'm like, what? But yeah, it's very, it's um it's uh you don't want to say that to someone in the hospital. (laughs) But you you supporting them, you know, our friend Chuck is a great example, you know, having to sort of bounce back from such a surprise accident that literally having to such a walk again i mean he had to learn all of life yeah. steps again bouncing and his attitude was always great and continues to be great throughout and that you get like envious of that because you go oh, yeah. i think in my nature i'm a little more cynical or would i pout if i was in that situation i think yeah. i probably would his same chuckness came he was it was even in the beginning you could see it trying to just even if he wasn't connecting you yeah. know his words as well as then it then he was still trying to come out and that is so inspiring. And honestly for that to be right, because he had just come home from the hospital when I was in LA. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to sort of be around that, where you're like, okay, well, here we go. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, we all have got shit. We're we're alive, you know? And um, like, let's, let's see how we can figure out, you know, to get, back to whatever this new place is, you know? Well, I think you're in a great place and I appreciate you taking so much time. And I think everything you have going on is, is fantastic. I'm I'm really, there was definitely like that kind of of overwhelming feeling, especially right after Chuck of like, Oh, come on, not this. (laughs) And picturing like a a decline that was rapid and unavoidable. And so to just be chatting feels really nice. It, I am so lucky that, that I live now and not 10 years ago 
even, you yeah. know, or 20 years ago, because the drugs they have now really stop slow, not stop slow the progression of MS in a way that they didn't before. Mm-hmm. And if I don't have a disability with walking, which I might in, in 10 years, um, but if that kind of, they don't know, but if I can, I mean, that would be so amazing to not yeah. be that person that everyone has in their head, like you do when you think about someone with that. And, and, um, and so that's hopeful for me now, but, um, you know, it's just, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to float along, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited to see your baby. And, um, when I do get to see the baby, maybe late 2021, whenever yeah. it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's okay, but I can't wait. And then I will hold the baby while, um, uh, uh, uh baked cookies. Oh yeah. <laughs> we will make you those cookies you love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd be delighted to have you hold the child and um, looking forward to that. I hope we can all just see each other in person if nothing else. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, stay safe, stay healthy. Hi to the whole family and everyone go listen to permanent hat. Yes, please. <laughs> see you buddy. Bye. Well, that's the big news. I'm going to be a parent. And um, I don't know, I'm filled with, I'm recording the this little interstitial thing right after we finished recording, which I normally don't do. I kind of wait until right before it's going to go out, which sometimes can uh, remove me a little bit from it, which I don't know if that's necessary. However, in this one, I'm excited that I got to chat with my friend. I think Michelle's great and is doing great. And it's really uplifting to hear that she is healthy Um, especially during this, but also we got to chat about um, parenthood. And you've probably heard during this pandemic me being a little bit um, frustrated with people not wearing masks, and I'll list off people out on the streets who you might not know um, would appreciate you wearing a mask, whether that's someone diagnosed with cancer, uh, Gene Hospod, our friend who had a double mastectomy recently, would certainly appreciate it, Dan, who helped with the show, his wife Ashley, uh, recently got a good diagnosis or prognosis for the next three months with brain cancer, but they would appreciate it if you wear a mask. So there are a lot of people that maybe don't have a sign uh, saying, hey, wear a mask. You could be, t- be protecting my health. Um, but I, I was one of those people and continue to be. We're still like a month away and uh, apologies for not sharing it sooner. I, I don't know. I, there's something about uh, strangers knowing too much of your intimate life that I, and not that uh, we're all strangers, but certainly a number of you who listen, I've never met you. And so it feels odd if I did run into you, you'd be like, hey, how's your child? And maybe you'd know their name and I'd be like, this is odd. Um, however, you listen to this show and so I'm endeared to you in that you like such a bizarre, hard to find thing on the internet. And if you would like to send along any kind of congratulations, please don't do it through Twitter or one of the social media sites. If you send an email or something like that, I feel like that would, I would appreciate that more than it seems more like it's just between us. Anyway, I'm excited and very frustrated at people not wearing masks um, because having a pregnant lady in the house is someone who is immunocompromised and a lot of these no mask people also end up being pro-life people and it drives me insane, the hypocrisy and the idiocracy of all of it. So please wear a mask. I would appreciate it. And... The little Huntsberger would appreciate it. This little being we're bringing into the world. The second um, 
announcement. And again, this would have been last week, so apologies again. I was going to give you guys well ahead of time the advance warning that the Professor Blastoff reunion episode is happening as a streaming show. And uh, that's Tuesday, which is tomorrow, August 11th at 6 p.m. Pacific, which depending on where in the world you are, you'll have to work from that time point. Um, but I think it gives you like a 48 hour window as well in case you're, uh, in a place where that's going to be like 3am to you. So if you'd like to see me and Tig and Kyle together again, I assume a lot of you who listen to this show came over because of that show. Well, this is a great opportunity for you to do that. We're finally getting uh, back together and I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it and hopefully all the tech and everything goes well. And if you support this show on Patreon, particularly at the higher tier levels, you got free tickets. Uh, so it behooved those people who supported this show all along, and I appreciate them greatly. And you don't have to do it at the higher tier if you're like, hey, man, it's a pandemic. Money's a little tight. But but still, if you want to help this show, I certainly would appreciate it. There are no ads, um, and it helps pay for beer and music and web hosting and tech stuff and all the other things that go into doing a podcast. So I highly, highly appreciate it. I can't say that enough. Um, the shows have been a little sporadic in how they've come out during this pandemic, but like today's episode, longer than usual. So that's one of the benefits I have found. Hopefully you're enjoying that as well. Try to get back on a more normal track, although having an infant around very soon might make that even more challenging, but I will do my best. Um, okay. I think that's it. Um, thanks again to Dan as always. Glad to hear the news about Ashley and Jean doing well still wouldn't hurt to send them some positive energy and hopefully you're doing well in your life staying healthy wearing a mask washing your hands distancing as much as possible if you're listening from another country you're like yeah we did all that it's basically gone away it's only you idiots in the United States and we can take that criticism because we have earned it we are doing just atrociously and um, that really bothers me but I don't know I don't know what to do about it I feel like if we all had masks that said USA, we could treat it like a team dynamic, but we have too many people that believe in some character named Q. I believe in facts and things that are real. Also some mythical character that lives on the internet I think might be real. What a world. So, uh, guys, stay safe. If you have subjects, guests, music, beer, ideas that you want to communicate to the show pings at the space cave is the best way to do that if you want to review or rate the show on um stitcher or apple podcasts it helps might get some more eyes and ears why would have why would we have eyes on this show that makes no sense more ears um and anyway enjoy that professor blastoff reunion show if you're able to um be great to see you there i think it's going to be a lot of fun Okay, let's get out of here with some music. This is a Dan choice. I think when I first looked, one version of their video had 25 views. And that's what we like to find little gems, little nuggets to unearth. Dan also doubles as an A&R guy for this show. And he went out there and found a band that whew, they're, they're, they're hidden in the internet. I think now it might be up to over 1,000 views. So this is, it's, it's tracking. And we'll check in, depending on when you're listening to this, months later and be like, oh, it has 10 million. Hopefully, you know, we were part of the reason it got so many views because you spread the word. I don't know. Maybe you shared it with your friends. Anyway, uh, it's just a song, but I think you'll like it. Uh, it's by a band called Obscura Hail. It's called Doomer. Thanks to Dan for finding it. Stay safe out there. Wear a mask. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for stopping by the space. Station.